0: Everyone, welcome to sharing the journey. Today, my guest is Jenny, and I met Jenny. How did I meet you? I know we're on some I know email you can lists. And...
1: the Blind. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: through 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 some A C B lists and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So Jenny's going to share her story with us today. So Jenny, tell me a little bit about you. Uh, your current
1: life and hobbies and such and well I live in an apartment in um, a retirement center for 55 plus which I'm feel very fortunate in Jesus to be able to do this we um, have quite a lifestyle here with a swimming pool and exercise room and the whole work so um That is my living arrangements as it stands with my seeing eye dog, of course, can't forget Nevi and all this. And um, my hobbies include music and drama, uh, watching movies, Uh, having people over. I love to have company Um, and I love to read Uh, right now. I'm currently in Bible college. Um, I never expected to say that i am in Bible college, but yes, it has happened and I'm just started and I'm loving it. Um, I love to read the word of God. That is my passion is to read the word and understand it and put it to practice. I like bicycling. I like dancing. Um, boating is another hobby that I just love. I can't get enough of. And that's who I am. Oh, so um, you I think I
0: remember you saying you lost your sight later in life. Were you always legally blind or
1: I was not? I did not lose my sight till I was 33. I found out because my driver's license, along with my whole purse, got stolen while I was in the Value Village um, changing area. And. Um, I went flying out of the room as soon as I found out that there was no purse in the cart. My son was the one who informed me of that. So the whole process of getting all the credit cards and all that changed over um, was, um, I, it was probably about a two to three day process, including my license. And that is when I found out that I was already partially blind. I did not pass the driver's test. Wow, what a shock. Yeah.
0: So what was life like before that time? What was your childhood like? What was your, you know?
1: I did not have the best of childhood. Uh, Looking back on it, I know my parents did the best they could with what they had. But um, honestly, I was the youngest of three girls. And everybody thought that I was the oldest because. We all had our problems, but um, my oldest sister was mentally uh, underdeveloped, and my middle sister had a serious um, issue psychologically, and so everybody thought that I was the oldest and I was always dependent on to watch the others and keep things going around the house and stuff, which, you know, for a child, I, I never really could say that I had a childhood so to speak um I was always cleaning and cooking and even even as a young teenager I was doing the grocery shopping and paying bills and stuff and kids just aren't supposed to carry that kind of weight
0: yeah
1: um there was one time where I honestly had a resource and I did it uh, we were in the process of moving, and my mom and her friend left and said, have the house clean when we, got, when we get back, and I did, but I did in a very naughty way. I had a resource from pastoral, uh, pastoral um, kids that if I ever needed anything, I was to call them because they knew the kind of living arrangements that I was in or that we were in. And they said, if, they have, if we ever need anything, call them. And I did. And they came over and helped us clean and did the laundry and the hall works. And she was also giving me piano lessons. So we went back over to her place to do the piano lessons and finish up the laundry. Oh, my gosh. My mom was so embarrassed. But at the same time, you do what you have to do. And at the time, I did what I have to do. So, um,
0: you mentioned a pastor. Were there any faith influences in
1: your growing up? Yes. I met Jesus when I was five at a little country church. Um, I remember it very well, even to this day at 62 years of age. I went forward at the pastor's request in a little church in Kenmore, Washington. It was an Assembly of God church, actually. And um, he led me through the prayer, and I accepted just like that. I know my mom was happy, but she never said anything. But I know she was beaming from ear to ear. Mm-hmm. But um, even at five, six years of age, I, I know that I was no more than six. Um, he knelt right down to his knees at at my level and led me right through the sinner's prayer and congratulated me into the family.
0: Oh, how cool! How cool. And
1: I do remember feeling different. I remember feeling loved for the first time. I know my mom and dad loved me in the way that they knew how, but I remember feeling a love that no one else could possibly give. Mm. How cool. Yeah. And that's never changed.
0: So even when you lost your sight, you you didn't have times of doubting God
1: or of No, I did not have times of doubting God when I doubted the people. Uh, You know, there's a song that says friends are friends forever um, or you call somebody your BFF. Mm -hmm. It's not true. Seasons come and seasons go. And it was uh, people that said that they were my friends that departed when they realized they didn't know how to help. And I didn't know how to help myself because it was a brand new lifestyle for me. Mm -hmm. My marriage split up. I was raising now two teenage boys on my own, which that was my second marriage. So it was actually a relief to the boys that um, the person was no longer in the household because they were actually being abused in the process anyway. Mm -hmm. But it was um, a whole new lifestyle for me. And I was more dependent on others than what I had ever found in my whole life. And it was heartbreaking to see the promises that were being broken. And I know that I know that friends and uh, acquaintances don't mean to break promises, but it's like, you know, uh, you ask somebody, how are they doing? And when you pass them by in church, there's three different types of how are you doing? I found out in counseling, there's the one that says, could care less. It's just a social question. Thank you for not answering (laughs) (laughs) while I'm passing you by. (laughs) The second one is, well, I know I asked, but you're going a little bit bit deeper than what I expected you to. And then the third one is, I care. Tell me about it.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I found more of the first type than ever before. Even Mm -hmm. with my blindness, I found more people passing me by with just um, a, a, an evasive answer like, oh, I'll, I'll have to talk to you about it later type of deal. And I never doubted God, but it was people I had a problem with. Mm-hmm.
0: So you mentioned counseling. Did you go in into counseling after you lost your sight? or
1: I did. The counseling was because of my second divorce, but we spent a lot of time talking about the blindness and where I was going from here. I would imagine. Because... That meant a major major change in my lifestyle, with both myself and my two sons, and all of my friends, the friends that chose to uh, stick around through it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was a lot of counseling.
0: Had you been working prior to losing your sight?
1: I did. I have been a customer service rep all of my life, and. That was no exception. I was working at an insurance company as a customer service rep, and that also meant a change in departmental um, issues. Uh, One thing about it was that Department of Services for the Blind had really just become established. I mean, I know that there's been people placed into job situations for many, many years, but... I did not know what to expect. Neither did my employer. And under those conditions, we were patiently waiting for Department of Services for the Blind to call me back so that we could find out how it was I would be able to save my job under these conditions. Mm. And as it was, I ended up in the filing room because I had just had it with people, phones, requests, complaints, kids. I mean, you name it. I had had it from everybody. And I took it to my boss one night and he said, I think we should put you in the filing room and just let you uh, spend some time in the quiet and yet not lose your job. Well, that's where I was. Um, And they really took extra measures to make sure that I could stay there for as long as I wanted to. And then in the end, I went legally blind and ended up on Social Security. That That was actually a hard one going from. $1,400 $1,400 a month job to down to, I believe at that time, my social security check was about $500. Oh, wow. That, that was hard.
0: Yeah, it was bet. really
1: hard. Wow. Yeah. And and I've lived like that for a long time because I raised my kids on the system. I, yeah. I finished raising them on the system and I'm still on the system. And now um, God has given me a chance to get off the system and I, I'm praising God for it. As a Bible college student, one of my uh, focus points is to learn the scriptures and the applications of them myself so that I don't have to depend on anybody else because, uh, as you know, I've written a book of the story of my life, and what I'm doing right now is learning how to apply the scriptures myself so that in the credentials of my next books or or, uh, the newer books, I don't have to say uh, thank you to so-and-so for helping me inter- uh, or uh, interact with the scripture correctly but um, I can do that myself <laughs> and where and are you
0: where are you going to Bible College
1: Seattle Bible College it's uh-huh. under the covering of Sunrise Christian Center which is where I go to church now
0: oh
1: okay yeah. and what are you taking? I'm right now I'm working on discipleship or, or excuse me, certificate of discipleship. And then the next one I'll be working on is certificate in leadership. Okay. Both of which are going to be uh, very effective in writing my new books.
0: So this first book tells the story of your life.
1: Um, it does. They, the story of my life is, um, is, why I wrote the book, but I didn't write the book just to put out another story. I wrote the book because I learned some things that turned my life around. I believe in Jesus that I always have, but I was horrible at boundaries. I didn't know about safe people in my life. We talked about the three different types of how are you doing? Mm -hmm. All of that has to do with safe people, boundaries, um, establishing rules, in your life that you will and you will not do. Um, And the reason I wrote the book is because we as a society are so far out there, we don't even know who know who we are anymore. And now I know who I am. And I wrote the book to let everybody know who I am. And this is how you can do it too. That was my intent on writing the book so that Uh, especially the women, men too, but especially the women can get healed of their past as a result of reading uh, my hardships and how I got to where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And I suppose
0: you're going to tell us to all go read the book instead of saying (laughs) how you got to where you're at.
1: That's right. I don't <laughs> give away trade secrets. You got to buy the
0: book. <laughs> what is the title of the book?
1: Right now, it is called Redemption Alone is Not Enough. But the exciting part is I'm revising the book. Uh, I'm including pictures this time oh. with a whole new book cover. And the new title is going to be Beyond Redemption. And it's going to actually have my picture and Nevi's picture right there on the front cover. Oh cool. Yeah, so that's what that's what I'm working on right now and it will be available at the end of April. Oh, wow. And will it be in audio or Kindle or I don't know about the audio or Kindle. I do know that EDK publishing is who is publishing it and and they're taking care of all of that. Okay. So, I guess the next time we talk, I will have that answer for you.
0: I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I it it is amazing after I put out the book it is absolutely amazing that uh, I put an ad in the local online paper and Barbara kindness sent me an email and said I am a qualified licensed editor meaning she's got her degrees and I would like to talk to you about your book and so we got together and I'm thinking I don't want to get screwed over by anybody in this you know but um She's very nice, and she has agreed to help me out at a very fractional of the cost of what she normally charges.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: EDK Publishing is the same way. They're uh, helping me out at a fraction of what they normally charge. And basically, they said, this is a story that needs to go out there to the public and I first published on Amazon, but they're taking it beyond Amazon. They'll, they'll be publishing in Fred Meyer and Barnes and Noble. Oh, and wow. You name it, it's going to be out there. And I'll be doing all kinds of interviews as a result of it. That's, that's part of Barbara's job is to line me up with all kinds of interviews to sell the book. Mm-hmm. So we're going to actually have a book signing party. I was so excited.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you mentioned future books. Um, yes. What kind of things do you have planned in your for your future books and for your future ministry goals? and
1: Well, the ministry goal, I'm not too sure where God has led me, except that I know that eventually I'll be going on the mission field uh, a short term, um, probably about six months or so. Um, and, and this is Bible college is a part of the training for that. Um, as far as for the future books, I'm going to be writing another word, another book about my childhood. Only this time I'm going to say that the good memories, Mm -hmm. because, you know, my book was really a healing thing for me as much as it is a healing thing for everybody else by putting it down and putting it out there for the world to see it. I really said Lord, here's my here's my sores. Now you now you can have them. That's basically what I said, and it's it's done exactly what it was supposed to do. I feel better now about having made all my issues public because by making them public, I'm not only helping somebody else, but I'm helping myself by helping somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And as far as for uh, the next books. So, so the next one I write is going to be the good stuff in my childhood. And then my kids, bless their hearts, my two boys have given me their permission to put their stories in writing, because believe me, it's not just my story, it's theirs. And I told them right from the start that it was my story to tell. And should they ever wish to tell theirs, that was their option to do that. But I've had so many people say, Oh, come on, we want to hear about your kid's childhood, too. So I had to go back to both of them and ask them for permission to put their life in writing. (laughs) And of course, my oldest one, he's a camera nut like I am. And he said, Mom, I don't care what you write about me. (laughs) I said, you may want to consider what you just said. Knowing me, I can get a little carried away with that one. <laughs> but, um, you know, the next book, um, I will be able to have the privilege of putting my children's life out there for all to see it. And then I used to be in a ministry called Simply From the Heart, which you will find out uh, when you read my first book. And Simply From the Heart was a ministry that God placed me into as a direct result of my blindness. And it was a direct result of confirmation of how the church really does need to interact and serve one another in the way that God meant it to be. And the two scriptures that I use is John chapter 13, where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. And believe me, we've missed some things in those scriptures and pastors agreed with me. I did the ministry for seven full years going around on other pastors platform sharing my testimony and teaching out of those two areas and I was told that I really should write it down in a book uh, what I taught about so that's going to be one of my books and from there I guess we'll see
0: you reminded me I wanted to ask you you went on a mission trip um, I did to tell me about that what mm-hmm. tell me what you can about that I don't know I can
1: remember spending two nights and two days in a, a god for airport, to be honest. I hate to put it like that, but it was way out there in the boonies. And we honestly, the whole team thought that we were going to have to come back home with mission unaccomplished. Oh, no. Because because there was a fog in the air that was very unusual, and it was not safe for any plane to land in that oh my area. Yes. Oh my God! And we prayed right there in the airport. We all went our separate ways and prayed and came back as a team. And I told the person that was in charge, I said, I really feel like that fog is a demonic spirit. And I said, it's keeping us from doing what God has called us to do. Well, when we came back into the full circle, she announced it to everybody. And somebody else said, I confirm that. That's what I saw too. So we prayed right there as a whole team, all six of us. And rebuked it in Jesus' name. And wouldn't you know, the very next plane that went out, the sun came out. And the pastor told us later that that sun was the first mark of sun that they had seen in probably a week. That that fog had been there for a whole week ever since we had been in the air heading towards their direction. Hmm. And there were so many words. Oh, my goodness. One woman that we... uh, one woman that I prayed for as a team, we went into her house and we prayed for her baby girl who was running a fever and having all kinds of uh, health issues. And I said, can I pray for her for a minute? And I anointed her with the oil and prayed for her. And I set her apart for her future ministry, which took everybody by surprise. And when I told the mother, I said, there's something special about this little girl, isn't there? She said, yes, I had trouble giving birth to her. In fact, we thought she was going to die right there in the birth canal. Mm -hmm. And I said, she's been set apart for ministry. That's why she's here. And there was a lot of things like that that happened over there where we would figure out it, it was the help of the Holy Spirit that there were things going on in people's lives that God wanted to turn around and use for something else. Uh, We did see healings and, you know, we fed the poor and did all the normal things that you do on a mission field. But one thing that really got to me is the houses they live in and they're happy that way because that's all they know. You know, we, we go into an apartment and we look to make sure it's, oh, just the perfect one. They don't even have that choice over there. We, you walk into a house and immediately you're asked to take off your shoes, not because they don't want to get the house dirty and have to vacuum, but because they don't have vacuum cleaners over there. Mm. That's what took me by surprise. A simple thing like a vacuum cleaner, we take it so for granted over here. We just assume that we could just plug it in and go for it. They don't have one, so they, they are very careful to keep things neat and tidy Not for the purpose of not cluttering, but for the purpose of not getting anything dirty because they have no way to clean it up. Mm -hmm. And the walls are curtains. And the the, um, running water, if you're lucky enough to get it anyway, is in a little tiny faucet. But for the most part, they're they're, um, sinks. They have no running water. You get the water by gallons of water that you bring in as you go shopping that's that's their way of life Mm -hmm. and we take it so for granted over here and i was just i was dumbfounded at the houses that we went into that had beautiful beautiful tapestry type rugs but that's the part that they take their pride in is the stuff that they have handmade made to decorate their house and yet over here we would be decorating it with pictures on the wall and all kinds of stuff and it's just not that way Hmm. forget the sewer Um, you know when you go into a foreign land uh, what we found Greece and Ukraine both you don't put the toilet paper in the toilet even in the public sewers you don't the toilet paper goes in a waste paper basket that's beside the toilet Hmm. they don't dirty up their sewers with toilet paper hmm I, I just found so many things different over there where they think things through because they have to. We just assume somebody will clean it up. It took me a good couple of weeks to realize I was back home and the rules no longer applied. Mm. I mean, I, I just slept. When I got home, I slept and not because I was depressed or because I was, uh, uh, what do they call of uh, um, <laughs> The flight heavy or yeah, when you're, when you're kind of carrying over from flight hangover, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't that at all. It was just the fact that I was just so dumbfounded at how spoiled we are over here. And yet we complain about the simplest things that go wrong. Mm. But over there, what we have, I mean, if they had a flushing toilet over there, they could actually put toilet paper down the toilet. They would be laughing about it because for them, that would be independent, Mm. you know, and, and we take it so for granted, just a simple thing like that.
0: So who, who has inspired you in your faith journey
1: recently? Um... That would be my senior pastor or what was my senior pastor, Alec Rowland. And I'm pretty sure that it's okay to use his name. Um, Up to this point, for the past 20 years, he has taught me everything that I know about the Bible. Aaron Zaborin is another one. Aaron and Anna Zaborin is another couple that inspired me. And that is because they are men of their word. I have been so dealt with lately about being a woman of my word. How can people trust me if I'm not a woman of my word? I trust Jesus, but why do I trust him? Because he's a man of his word, right? Or what I consider to be a man of his word. Well, in the same way, I need to be a woman of my word for people to trust me in what I say. And the two people who taught me the most of that are, are the leaders that I used to have at Westgate Chapel, as well as um, other areas, but mainly that. That's because everything that they ever said, they always did. It might take them a little bit of time to get there. It might take a little bit of processing time, but it, it always got there. And that's what inspires me the most right now. That inspires me to go on to do what I'm doing keeping my word and learning how to keep it and not just making promises, but what do I want to do in the future and how do I get there and how do I keep my word in getting there?
0: And are there any resources, uh, books, Bible studies, whatever that you have done recently that you would recommend to others?
1: My Bible study right now um that that I do is strictly related to college Mm -hmm. preparation Mm -hmm. um what I would what I would um advertise more than anything right now is that I do have a Facebook page associated with my book and what I do there is like a blog I make a statement every week about what God is showing me or what God is asking me to do and I share it with the public Mm -hmm. and What I would encourage people to do is join up with my Facebook page on my book and read that every week to see where I'm at and to see where I'm sharing with, see what I'm sharing with the public, because um, that way you're, you're not only getting a good study plan, but you're getting it right direct from the word of God, because that's where I'm taking it from.
0: And how do they find that?
1: Right now, it's under my accomplishments, thanks to God.
0: Okay.
1: Um, with the book being called Redemption Alone is Not Enough, eventually I will be changing the title of that page too. I'll be shutting the whole thing down and starting over, but my readers will know when that mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's my uh my accomplishments, thanks to God. That's the title of the page. Okay. And they can certainly be personal friends with me as well, because my page is directly associated with my personal profile. Okay. Sounds
0: good. So um, is there anything else you'd like to share? I usually ask uh, a final closing question, but you've kind of answered it, but uh, I guess I can... um... I usually ask, how is the Lord working in and through you recently? But since you've kind of answered that, um, is there anything else you'd like to share?
1: Well, you know, I really feel like God has moved me into a different season of life. And I never thought I'd be saying that. But he's moved me from the church that I was a part of for 20 years into a new fellowship, which is which is where I'm going to Bible college at. And I think the reason for the new season is because I needed a challenge myself. And that challenge was to either go on the mission field on a long-term basis or go into some kind of ministry situation. And I've always had a longing to go to Bible college. So this actually answers the question of, of the longing in my heart to go to Bible college, mm-hmm. but it also answers the question of credentials for when I apply for the mission field under the covering of the church or whatever the case may be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so God is putting new desires in my heart and accomplishing things that uh, were only dreams before they, they were just dreams. And, and what he's doing in the process in putting me in a new season, in a new church, a new life, is he's actually bringing me up alongside pastors who are young and need, uh, shall I say, mature Christians alongside them to help them disciple uh, the younger sheep that come in the door because they're really getting ready for, uh, they're about to rebuild the building and getting ready for a much bigger flock. And they're they're going to need mature ones to carry out the um, shepherd's wishes. And I've already explained to them that I feel like I'm one of those sheep that can be trusted with that sort of thing. And they've already thanked me for it. And they see the growth in me. They, They feel like they can trust that. So all in all, I am challenged. I'm challenged to grow and learn so that I can be of service to somebody who's going to need it in the end. To where that wasn't necessarily true where I was at. So, yes, God is doing something good in my life. Something new and good. And that's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) And a good place to end.